Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and with me are Devinder Hardwar and Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today, we're going to be discussing Sonic the Hedgehog, which is one of the most successful video game movies of all time, we now know. Uh, Lobar. So, Lobar. Uh, yep, so that's going to be <laughs> our main review, and then we have an After Dark for you if we have some time uh, to discuss some After Dark topics. Uh, and, you know, we have been doing this new format uh, recently where now we're doing like kind of an, an episode that's just a review and then an episode that's uh, a what we've been watching uh, and After Darks for both. And we are still open to taking your feedback on uh, the new format. So if you have any thoughts, feel free to email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. I, I will that's say, like- if you if you like it... Do let us know, because I'm <laughs> definitely hearing more of the not liking it side of it. Oh, we got a lot of people liking it in the, in the Slack, Slack film cast. cast. Yeah. Hearing yeah, a lot of go. positive feedback of positive. in the Slack film cast. So, um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, feel free to email us at slashfilmcast.gmail.com or tweet at us. Uh, you can find us each on Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the new format. Uh, you can also find more episodes of the show at slashfilmcast.com. So check us out there as well. Now, before we get to uh, the review for today, uh, I want to respond to uh, a couple of things from uh, our, our last couple of episodes. You know, we're, we're basically recording these episodes uh, two at a time now. Uh, that's one of the functions of this new format is so we can we can get done two episodes at one time. One of the disadvantages of that is that uh, if we make a mistake, it's often a couple weeks before we are able to correct it. <laughs> Luckily, we don't make mistakes. Well, you know, Jeff, it just so happens that every so often we make a mistake. And here's well, the thing. I, I said we and I meant Devendra and myself. That's what I oh, meant. Oh, well, this this one is Devendra's mistake, to, to, as oh. point of fact, actually. Hmm. Uh, so let me just say, uh, can we have a blanket declaration against us on the Slash Filmcast identifying the etymology of phrases and words? Because <laughs> we we can't seem to get it right. Devendra, on uh, the last, I think it was what we've been watching. I don't even know what this is referring to. So, you, okay. uh, I think you said something along the lines of the Italian job, the Michael Caine original, uh-huh. was helped to originate the phrase cliffhanger. Uh, that is not correct. Um, the term cliffhanger is considered to have originated with the serialized version of Thomas Hardy's A Pair of Blue Eyes, which was published in 1872. So uh, one of the protagonists, Henry Knight, is left hanging off of a cliff in that uh, serialized story, and uh, that's where the term cliffhanger originated. So, uh, I, I honestly, like, as much. I was saying that, I also didn't even <laughs> think about what I was saying. It's more yeah, like... Yeah. It, it, it is a very specific type of cliffhanger, so yeah, that, that's my bad. Yeah, so when you said it, I was like, you know, that doesn't sound right, but whatever, I'm not going to fact check him in real time. Uh, but uh, our listeners do uh, fact check us after the fact, and so uh, we should just stop trying to say this term originated from. Maybe we should just stop me, talking. Yeah, you know? between me getting wrong yeah. EGOT and this now cliffhanger, uh, cliffhanger gate, uh, we are just not a reliable source of uh, etymology. Uh, we should just... Copy. Make that clear at the top. We're not a reliable source of anything. anything. I think that's exactly correct. I I think what I was trying to say, by the way, was that it is one of the most famous examples of a cliffhanger. Because it is is a very, very specific type of thing where that movie ends. So there you go. Displace that into the last episode. Nothing's wrong. Boom, boom, boom. It's done. It's done. Okay. Another thing that happened uh, either last episode or the week before was... 
uh, I helped to delineate the difference between documentaries and reality TV. Mm. I said one of the big differences is that uh, reality TV contestants are paid uh, and that they are there to kind of generate drama and they, they take direction from producers to generate drama. In the Slack Filmcast, uh, which you can find at slackfilmcast.com, there was a lot of uh, people who debated my definition. And I think what I should have made clear is that in general, I think that definition is accurate. Yeah. But yeah. that there are certainly exceptions to the rule. Uh, I think that like, as an example, just one example off the top of my head, like it was kind of a minor scandal when Errol Morris paid uh, participants to be in his documentary standard operating procedure. Uh, and you, in general, documentarians do not pay because it theoretically they have no incentiv- money. <laughs> well, they have no money, but also it incentivizes the participants to maybe create more drama or tell a story that's more exciting or whatever. So, in general, documentaries don't pay, uh, and that helps to inoculate them against uh, accusations of bias or things of that nature. Uh, but it does happen sometimes. Documentary subjects are paid, and there are exceptions. So, I just want to make clear that those definitions are not, uh, you know, a hundred percent true all the time. The other thing is like uh, another kind of distinction in Cheer, uh, the documentary that we discussed, which is on Netflix. By the way, Jeff, you finished Cheer yet? You gotten any further in Cheer? Uh, I have gotten further. I have not finished. No. All right. Uh, Are you still enjoying it though? Very much. Yeah, Yeah. very much. I I really like it a lot. So in the documentary Cheer, uh, something that the director said that differentiated, you know, Cheer from other reality TV is uh, when the subject said like, please turn off the camera. We don't want you to film this. They would oblige. They would actually listen to them and, and do that. On reality TV, that relationship does not exist. You know, right. like it, you can't say, please stop, you know, turn off the camera. It's like you are there to be filmed. You know what I mean? Whereas theoretically um, in uh, in a documentary, they're there to capture the reality. So, uh, so anyway, just wanted to clarify those few things and uh, make clear that, <laughs> hey, the boundary is porous. It's not super watertight between those two things and uh uh yeah just clarify that because uh we we like accuracy here on the slash filmcast on occasion and finally a uh a result of this uh double episode recording schedule is sometimes mistakes can be made and one of the mistakes i made last week was not reading uh, a bunch of donors uh, that had donated to uh, the podcast. So uh, we recorded a couple weeks ago, and I just wanted to... Uh, I, I completely skipped over the donors, which was a huge mistake. This is unacceptable. I mean, it's okay to get facts wrong, to wildly speak out of turn about things <laughs> that we have no business discussing, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. E- even the stuff that is central to our show format, like documentaries, to talk about them in wildly inaccurate ways all of that totally fine but when you forget to thank the donors dave yeah it's you have gone too far it's unacceptable so i just want to thank those donors at the top of the show and you'll actually understand why it's embarrassing that i missed this one uh this batch of donors when i read some of these messages so i want to thank steven theus who writes in shame worked again to make me donate uh dj volney from charlotte north carolina uh, Kevin Parker, who had a very generous donation. David M. from Portland, Oregon. Roland Calusa, 
Hayden Claiborne, who writes, Job, begin the ritual. I have no idea what that means. And Alyssa from Los Angeles, California, who writes, This long overdue donation is in honor of my friend Arnold Sang, my former coworker on the Overwatch development team. Whoa, I found out cool. I found out he was a listener when I heard his name announced in the donor list, and we bonded over our mutual love of David Chen. Uh, Arn, hey I miss now. working. <laughs> Arn, I miss working with you so much, and I chose this momentous day of Bong Joon Ho's historical win to honor that, since it has meant so much <laughs> to our hero Dave, Devendra, and Jeff. I love you too. Thanks for all the entertainment, and here's to many more episodes to come. Good thing this is coming right after the Oscars. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> Good thing. Yeah, no. I, I think this it. is what I think this is what you call a cliffhanger, Dave. <laughs> mm, indeed, indeed. Um, also, thanks to subscribers uh, David Moore and John Monteverde. If you want to donate to the Slash Filmcast, you can always go to PayPal.me/slash/filmcast. That's PayPal.me/slash/filmcast. Um, sorry, Alyssa, for not reading this when I should have. Uh, but yes, uh, thank you to all of our donors. You guys make a huge difference. We really appreciate it. Okay. You know who wouldn't have made that mistake? Who's that? Devendra and Jeff. Devendra and Jeff, the people that you, uh, <laughs> you know, that were an afterthought in your uh, in your email. That's just Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, just okay, saying. okay. That's good to know. All right. Well, all that said, why don't we get to our review of Sonic the Hedgehog? I'm Sonic, a little ball of super energy in an extremely handsome package. On my planet, people were always after my powers. So I came to yours. It gets a little lonely, but that's okay. I am living my best life on Earth. Ow! Let the plate Sonic! Let the pitcher's mount also Sonic! Ugh, I can't with that guy. Uh-oh. Hiding out in my garage. They're coming for me. If they steal my power, they could conquer the universe. You have to help me. No, I don't. Please, it's life or death. Super Sonic. That was from the trailer of Sonic the Hedgehog, which is the newest film by Jeff Fowler. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. After discovering a small blue fast hedgehog, a small. <laughs> <laughs> As you, do. Town, As you do. <laughs> a small town police officer must uh, help it defeat an evil genius who wants to do experiments on it. Another one of those. Oh, yeah. That yeah. is some great summary. <laughs> that old chestnut. This Man. film stars uh, James Marsden as Tom Wachowski, Ben Schwartz as Tom the voice Wachowski. Of Sonic. He's Wachowski, Wachowski for some reason. But yeah, it's clearly Schwartz. a Wachowski reference, yeah. <laughs> ben Schwartz as the voice of Sonic and also Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that uh, this movie, I think, is now the number one video game movie opening of all time. Amazing. Is my, is my understanding. As, of top as we all predicted. Which, did it knock uh, out Mortal Kombat or one of the Resident Evils? Yes, it did. Now, to be fair, uh, yeah. that is not adjusting for inflation. But the top five are Sonic the Hedgehog with fifty-eight million, uh, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, with fifty-four million, Lara Croft Tomb Raider. That movie is a huge hit when it came out. That wait, was forty-seven million. Which which one? Which um, Lara Croft is? Is that the uh, the first one? F- the first one. The yeah. uh, Angelina Jolie. Angelina, yeah. Angelina, the, the the first Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then if, number four, the Angry Birds movie, and then number five, Rampage with thirty-five million dollars. Rampage. I, I think if you had asked us, like you know, like put up uh, 
the Detective Pikachu and Sonic the Hedgehog, which one's going to make more money opening weekend? All three of us would have said Detective Pikachu. Yeah, it is astounding that movie wasn't bigger. You know, I but, put yeah. it very yeah. high on my summer movie wager and was very yes. wrong. Yes, mm-hmm. you're you're punished severely. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. Uh. It, it, it's a new world order now, and we should also point out right that this is a situation where when the original Sonic the Hedgehog uh, trailer came out. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog had a, I'll just say, grotesque appearance. He I was mean, ghoulish. He, yeah. He was ghoulish. He had, he was kind of this human hedgehog hybrid. He had, he had human, human teeth. Human, human teeth, human looking eyes. Yeah. Uh, it was, the, it was uh, the cats of video game movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after a huge outcry online, they said, hey, we're going to do it over again. Uh, they uh, redid all the effects. They redid all the marketing. I think it was around November of 2019. They wiped out every asset online. Like all previous mentions of Sonic the Hedgehog were basically exterminated from the internet on mm-hmm. Paramount's website. They did some deep and... fake action and just like changed everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And then uh, and they redid it with the new uh, the new design. And uh, I, who can say whether or not that was what helped to propel it to 58 million dollars? It was probably <laughs> a tiny factor, uh, but. Yeah, it seems to whatever set of decisions they made seemed to have paid off. This movie was a huge hit, like un- unpredictably huge hit. No one saw it coming, at least not at this level. Even the studios themselves, as far as I understand, dude. Marsden opens um, movies, baby. <laughs> Indeed, especially Indeed. when sitting next to you, CG animals. He is he's he's so good. He's after Hop, man. He has got the the craft down. Yeah, I mean, so I also think said, I also think you know talking about that. What was really a, I think, marketing catastrophe from a certain perspective, they they couldn't have got less bad, I mean, more bad publicity. Everybody was making fun of the Sonic movie, <laughs> uh, talking about how, I mean, you couldn't go anywhere in the video game yeah. community. Maybe it was on purpose. I well, don't know. I, I, no. I, I don't think they're shrewd enough to do that. <laughs> um, that would be I, too smart. Yeah. I can only imagine that people were panicking freaking out and thinking, oh my, this movie's going to tank. Certainly on my video game show when we talked about it, everybody just assumed this movie was going to be hot garbage. Yeah. You know? mm. yeah. So mm. it, it just looked like they were making bad decision after bad decision and digging themselves deeper in the hole. And it just felt like it was rudderless and they didn't yeah. have a clear sense of what they even wanted. If they're like, oh, you don't like it? Oh, okay, we'll change it. You know, it just felt it just felt <laughs> So destined to tank. Good, good impression of a movie executive, by the way. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, so, all that said, Divinger Hardwar, uh, this is the the number one, you know, three day domestic grocer of all time, not adjusted for inflation. Video game movie opening, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think it is worthy of that title? I think so. I think this movie is a ton of fun. I really enjoyed it, and I'm shocked by how much I did. Uh, I got to see this when I was down in Georgia visiting my family. So I actually went with my younger brother and we went at like a 10 p.m. screening and there were kids there on opening night and like parents bringing their kids for a movie that wouldn't end until like way after midnight. So good on those parents, I guess. I will definitely be one of those parents probably at some point when my kids are (laughs) screaming to see a new movie. Uh, but it was, it's such an enjoyable experience. I think like every element of this movie just works really well together, starting with like a really fun and enjoyable script. I feel like they had a good concept for balancing the sort of like in-game mythology and introducing some new stuff too. Like 
This movie opens with Sonic on an alien world with, uh, what is it, an owl protector that I don't think is uh, is a part of the canon? It's, yeah, it's not canonical. And that was really, I was like, oh, yeah, it must have been yeah. Sonic like part seven or eight that I missed the uh, like, owl no, no. character. We're, we're, we're going Lord of the Rings with this thing, basically. <laughs> he, is, he is Sonic of the Rings, right? So they start with this like big mythology type thing. He's being hunted by Echidna's. Uh, I found all that, all of that. A lot of that was just like uh, really. I did not expect this movie to start in that place. It also does the, the uh, stereotypical thing of like, you know, um, how did I get into this situation? Right, like it. He introduces himself and it's like, let's start from the beginning. So I do feel like they kind of played with that a little too. But everybody involved with this movie just seems to be having a lot of fun with it. Ben Schwartz is a great Sonic. I love Ben Schwartz when he is like into role like his sort of like manic crazy energy is exactly you know perfect for this character james marston a guy i don't think we give enough credit for like when he is silly when he's in like look at enchanted which is a fun movie he's just like giving it his all for like that whole material i think he's fantastic in this role and like playing alongside sonic and then we get james carrey um jim carrey we get jim carrey back in his uh his like classic 90s full-on insane mode and i felt like when i saw the trailer i felt like that was something that just wouldn't fly today it's just like you know the ace ventura stuff the really silly stuff it doesn't really work in the year 2020 except uh i guess it kind of does uh maybe i just missed that energy or that jim carrey um they have a lot of fun with his characters, Robotnik. The movie looks good. I think it's uh, yeah, it's a fairly basic plot structure for a game movie, but they have a lot of fun with the material. So I really appreciate all of that. And I do think it's worth saying, um, clearly there was a lot of work that was involved in redoing the whole Sonic design, especially when it comes to VFX. And that is something, um, you know, there that's probably an issue. Uh, it's... There's a lot to be said about the like crazy work environment and how, uh, of what VFX studios are going through. They're overworked. They're underpaid. They have to deal with a lot of crap. Um, but I do think overall the push to redesign Sonic into something that is not a horror to my eyes. First of all, it makes the movie a lot more enjoyable because if I was watching the old design, despite all these other good elements, I feel like I would have been distracted by this uh, horrific creature. He sort no, of man. looked like Release the... Release uh... the grotesque cut. Oh, man. Release the yeah, grotesque he... cut. Hashtag <laughs> ghoulish cut. Release Hashtag the ghoulish, ghoulish cut. cut. I wonder if they're going to do that on like the DVD or something at some point. Just like whatever the low-level cut they had out. It was. It reminds me of that, uh, the SNL skit with the... What was it? The gross hedgehog. Was that a Sonic recreation? Um, I forget which skit that was from. But it was like the, the, the thing you see on Twitter of just like this horrific Hellraiser-looking monster of a Sonic recreation. Like that's sort of what the first movie, uh, the first design kind of gave me. And I, the new design I think is more approachable. It looks a lot better. It looks more like the character. He doesn't have the crazy single eye thing, but I think they did a good job of translating the design to the real world. So yeah, really enjoyed this movie. There, there's so many fun little action movie jokes. Uh, it's, it's just like a fun, smart thing. Yeah. We should point out, by the way, that the uh, visual effects studio MPC, Moving Picture Company, uh, was shut down uh, recently. So it, uh, my understanding is they worked extremely hard to get these visual effects uh, out the door on time, and then they shut down, which is very sad. And so they sad. also won an Academy Award for Life of Pi. It is. Uh, it's also so not that it, unusual for 
Yeah, it's not that unusual. Awesome. Like the visual effects industry is basically extremely uh, mm -hmm. punishing. Yeah. Uh, there's a documentary on the subject that I would recommend. Also uh, about Life of Pi, and the other yeah. studio that shut down. Yeah, as they yeah. were nominated. I, I um, think though, if I remember the news correctly, I think what happened with the redesign is that there was a fan that redid the poster with how he thought Sonic should look. And they uh -huh. literally hired that guy to help. I think okay, that's if you're not if you're not sure, I would not make that assertion. Jeff, <laughs> I, th I'm, you know what? I think that's the uh, the etymology of uh, uh. That's how it all started. Was it? Well, no. Was it the person who worked on the Sonic remakes if, or something? If there you're there not was something. Sure, I don't yeah. want to be making the correction I'm two weeks from now. Sure, guys. I'm just gonna go out on this limb. <laughs> I just I wouldn't dance. say anything that you're not a hundred percent sure. Just gonna dance out here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um Yeah, there was a there was a uh, short film called Life After Pi, which mm -hmm. is a 30-minute documentary uh from Rhythm and Hughes, which is a yes. which is a Old school. VFX uh company. Yeah. Old school. So yeah, that's that's uh you know, it, it, that gives a good explanation of some of the challenges facing the visual effects industry. But speaking of seeing things in the best way possible, we got to thank our first sponsor tonight, Lensable. Jeff, do you want to tell people about Lensable? Yeah, I just found out about Lensable, and it, it, it makes so much sense as a thing that I didn't know existed, but now I'm so glad I know it exists because I am somebody that has to wear glasses again. I, I had LASIK 15 years ago, and it wore off, so now I'm back to wearing <laughs> glasses again. Also, my eye exploded last year, so I'm you know my prescription is changing, has changed and I have some uh, f uh, frames that need to have new prescriptions put into them new have new lenses and I f have thought that oh I basically they're just garbage I have to replace them frames and all no 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 lensable is here to allow me to replace the lens inside frames I already have it's an online lens replacement ser uh, service and I don't even have to go anywhere it happens right from home it's super simple and super slick. I'm really digging this. I'm doing this with a couple of frames that I have. Uh, people use it for like finding awesome frames at, you know, at thrift stores or like secondhand places that are like cool and retro and antique. And then they can put their lenses in them or you can turn cool glasses into sunglasses. All kinds of stuff possible with Lensable. Uh, they do um, all their le lenses are custom made tested and fitted by certified opticians in their LA-based lab. They have anti-reflective UV and scratch-resistant coatings that come standard. And it's pretty great. You, you, they send you a box. They pay for shipping both ways. Send you a box. You put your frames in it. They custom make lenses for your frames. And then they send it back to you. All the, you know, all the shipping is handled by them. It's really cool. And I, so I have these, these frames that I've pulled out that I used to love that I don't even make anymore. And that have old prescriptions, and I'm, I'm going to get them switched to my new prescriptions. I can turn them into sunglasses. It's so slick. Plus, I'm getting 20% off my first lens replacement order by going over to Lensable.com and entering code FILM20 at checkout. You can remember that because it's 20% off. So, FILM20 at checkout when you go to Lensable.com. That's L-E-N-S-A-B-L.com. L-E-N-S-A-B-L dot com. Enter that promo code FILM20 at checkout. You don't even have to use prescription. You can just make 
things into sunglasses. If you got some sunglasses that you love that have a big scratch on them, replace the lenses. It's super slick. Lensable.com, promo code FILM20 at checkout to get yourself 20% off. Jefferson Kanata, what did you think of Sonic the Hedgehog? Let, let, let me just say, by the way, before Jeff goes on his thing, uh, <laughs> you were right. You were right, Jeff. You were absolutely right. Tyson Hess, or Hesse, he was brought on to lead the, the new design of Sonic. And he is somebody who worked on, uh, he's a director for Sonic Media Adventures, that show. He's done some comics. He's worked on Vader Zim. So not exactly a fan. He is a professional. Well, he, but, but he did he it made as a, a good thing. Sonic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So suck it, Dave. I, I, I didn't even say you were wrong, Jeff. I was just saying, make sure you're, you're right. You, you thought I could yeah. be wrong, which is even worse. If only we had a way of checking these facts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sitting in front of a computer right now. What do I know? All right. Well, Dave, I guess you could say there's an extra glow with uh, with Jeff. Yeah. It's yeah. Like you're glowing gold right yeah. now and floating. Yeah. yeah. Go for it, Jeff. Yeah. Go for it. I guess you could say my uh, feelings about Sonic the Hedgehog movie are best summed up in the form of a limerick, Dave. Mm. In 95, I would have thought you ironic if you pitched me a film starring Sonic. But in 2020, it turned out to be even better than Johnny Mnemonic. Wow. Which is a movie that came out in 95. So that's why that makes sense. Deep deep cut. Yeah. It's also a movie but kind of about video games a little bit. Kind of wears uh, virtual reality glasses. It all ties in and it also rhymes. So yeah. Yeah. here's what I'm saying. This movie is better than it has any right to be. Uh-huh. It, it's If you tasked me with imagining Sonic the Hedgehog as a movie and thinking, make the best possible version of that movie, I couldn't imagine the movie being this good. <laughs> That's not to say it's a great movie. But it uh-huh. is, as Devendra says, it's tons of fun, and it has a subject matter that just doesn't have any right to be this fun and this good. It's 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 solid, man. And I credit great casting. Uh, Devendra touched on this as well. Uh, ben Schwartz, I'm a huge fan of that dude. He's a really nice guy. Uh, I had a chance to hang out with him uh, a couple times, and uh, he he's also really super talented and. He does a great job here. He makes Sonic so fun and funny and charming. And that's not easy. You know, he's sitting in a room by himself. With, with... There's also some range here, too, because this is a movie about him being lonely. Yeah. This is a movie about loneliness. And it's kind of sad at times. And he, I think he does really well with all of that. Yeah. And, man, you're so right. Like, this is Ace Ventura, the mask level Jim Carrey, which I kind of thought we'd never see again. I thought he had uh-huh. moved on and you know, he's a painter now and he's, what is he? He's got to be in his fifties, right? Uh, he, he just felt like he had moved on past that kind of performance. And I have a very soft spot in my heart uh, raised on that loving, falling in love with Ace Ventura when it came out and just thinking it was the funniest thing at the time. And I have a soft spot in my heart for that kind of mania and that wackiness. And he is in full Jim Carrey classic. You know, he's in full Ace Ventura mode. And I really dig it. It, it. It's a strange thing that the animated character is more grounded and realistic than <laughs> the human character. But it's yes. a great choice. It's a cool, it's a funny idea that the human being, like the idea is Dr. Robotnik is a human who is on Earth. And, it, and the government know, is like, yes, 
let's let's get this guy, <laughs> yeah. this insane person. And then the, I do love that the the generals. One of them is um is a is an actor from Battlestar Galactica. Oh no, they, they they got all the dudes that play generals. They got literally all the dudes, all the dudes that play generals. <laughs> uh, and I do like like in most of these movies, nobody would be like you. You want that maniac? Yeah, for this job, like nobody should be making this decision. And they just say the things we're all thinking. It's kind of hilarious. It's just so great that the the human being <laughs> that is that is from the government that in normal movies you know the way they make these kind of movies is it's the straight-laced guy who doesn't understand that has to take down the wacky adorable uh yeah. mascot you know and it just bumblebee that's it's, bumblebee right, basically it's, but yeah. it's a billion it's like all the movies from the 80s you know like batteries not included and et and all those movies mm-hmm. where like the straight-laced government types don't understand the adorable thing and this is like it's such a funny reversal of that where Sonic is the I mean he's he's hilarious and goofball in his own way but he's also like as you said has heavy thoughts and kind of grounded and has you know is is a much more naturalistic <laughs> character than the wildly over the top cartoonish Jim Carrey character of Dr. Robotnik. I just I love that juxtaposition. I thought it was a fun twist. But to me all of the heavy lifting in this movie is done by James Marsden. That dude will never get as much credit as he deserves for making mm-hmm. this movie work. He is is doing all the heavy lifting. He's great. He's 90% playing against uh, a thing that probably wasn't even there when he was doing it. Uh, and he he sells it all. He's charming. He's uh, you never bo- you never doubt for a second that he's talking to something real that he has feelings for th- that thing that he's grounded in and participating in a real movie i just i just think the world of his performance in this it is it is not the kind of role that you get lauded for but he should be because it's not easy and it really is the linchpin to why this movie works in my opinion i also agree that this the effects are t- really excellent really really excellent all the way around uh, there's a lot of them and they're they're great uh and the ideas in the movie of how sonic works and the rules of the world and all that stuff like how you know if you said on paper like let's make a sonic movie the the first idea you come to is well he loses his rings and he needs to get his rings right that's what yeah, sonic does yeah. but the way that they build that out and justify that and and make that interesting i think is very well done and man i i had a blast i laughed i i i really enjoyed the action sequences it it's a fun movie and i would never have thought that sonic would be you know we we've talked for decades now about what's going to be yeah. the video game movie that does it? I never would have thought it would be Sonic the Hedgehog, but Sonic as a character feels like so '90s. He's the '90s embodied in the um, embodied in this like weird little you know guy with a two. Like nothing makes sense about Sonic in 2020 except everything does, I guess. Yeah, apparently. I mean, I really but- dug the fact that the movie starts with a Marvel Studios style, you know, like we're starting the Sega cinematic universe. And I was like, yeah, dude, I'm down for this. And I lo- it, it was, that's like Babe Ruth, like pointing into the stands, right? I mean, it's, it's like, not yep. quite, it's not quite yeah. dark universe. You know, it's not quite, we assembled all the actors and took a picture, <laughs> but it is pretty great that they're like, yeah, we got altered beast and some other yeah. fun stuff, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I, was in this movie, like you said, Ventra, I was in this movie from the word go, like from the title screen when it showed me that like 16 bit m- montage. I'm like, I, I, 
all right, movie, I'm with you. And then it never lost yeah, me. Yeah. It never lost me. It was really fun. So, uh, I wow, you guys are really positive on this. I Just, thought it was uh, bracing yeah. myself here now. No, 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 okay. no. I did not think it was bad. I had a really good time with the movie. Um, I thought it was fine. You know, I, I would say it was fine to pretty good. I think that like it is a lot of fun, and it's a great kids movie. That's what I would say. Mm-hmm. I think that when you go to see a kids movie, like if you go to see like Inside Out or you know Up or whatever, those are theoretically movies for kids, but because they're by Pixar. They also have something that you know reaches out to the adults that has like adult sure, themes, sure. and that you know I don't think this movie has that, right? I don't yeah, think this D- movie. Dave, is... you you listed two like masterpieces <laughs> of children's movies. What? I don't think you've had to suffer through the stuff Jeff and I have. Okay, that's for sure. Like, yeah, this is not on the level yeah. of Inside Out for sure, but it is watchable in a way that so much kid stuff is not. Uh, yeah, Jeff, would you agree with this assessment? I, I do agree with that. And, and I, I yeah. feel like, I mean, I think my level of positivity is coming from my expectation, which was in the, in the gutter, yeah. you know, and it, mm. it's, it's, you're right. I mean, it's not up or, or inside out. That's for <laughs> sure. But I didn't expect it to be even, you know, I didn't expect it to be. Uh, doom or, or whatever, you know, I, and, and I think, I think a lot of people came away from uh, detective Pikachu really positive. I didn't as much because I wasn't really familiar with that world. And I think maybe being more familiar with the Sonic first for lack of a better term made me appreciate it more because I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I got all the references. I dug all the, the little Easter eggs and stuff. You're right, Dave. It's not, you know, Shakespeare, but it's pretty fun. Yeah, it's pretty fun. That's exactly how I describe it. It's pretty fun. And there's there's no problem with that. Uh, but if you're looking for something more, this is not the place to look. I will say I think the visual effects are awesome. The action scenes are awesome. The uh, Sonic basically moves so quickly that he's like Quicksilver in the X-Men, right? Like he, yeah, they, they he, straight up lifted a Quicksilver scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he basically, he, he's so fast that... It, Essentially, what this movie posits is that his mind works differently, you know, because he's, it's so fast than compared to like a normal human. And you see that when everything else is slowed down and he's operating at normal speed, that's really thrilling to watch. Some of the shots that they are able, I, I don't know if they even shot them in real life because they're moving so quickly. I don't even know if it's possible, but like you see Sonic doing things like run along the Great Wall or in the Sahara Desert or whatever. And it, it really does look spectacular. And speaking of how it looks, uh, I think there are a lot of questions about does this actually look seamless, this new design? Yeah. Because when they first announced that they were going to substitute in this new design Sonic, uh, I think it was like someone from Detective, like the director from Detective Pikachu or something like that, uh, oh, said. Now who's going like, out on the limb? Yeah, no, I know, I know. I'm going out on a limb here. <laughs> I'm I'm walking without a net here, Jeff. But I think he said something along the lines of like that doing such a thing. Uh, would be impossible for Detective Pikachu because, like, basically they made decisions in terms of how they shot and framed certain scenes that were informed by character design. And and, and that, like, if they swapped out a new character at the last second, it just wouldn't work. The movie wouldn't work. Like, the the eye lines wouldn't work or, you know, things of that nature. Uh, You would not have known that there was ever a different version of Sonic when you watch this movie, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it, it is completely seamless a substitution that, you know... And high quality. It doesn't look like, you know, it doesn't look like there was a slapdash. It doesn't look like uh, they skimped on, like, the detail of the rendering or anything. Yeah. It does not look like young Will Smith at the end of Gemini Man, basically. (laughs) (laughs) 
That is correct. That's correct. Yeah. So uh, I think it it looks great, and I love Jim Carrey in full Ace Ventura mode. I love uh, the one liner, just relentless one liners. He is so <laughs> funny in this movie. The interaction yeah. with him and his his little assistant had me yeah. rolling a few times. It was really funny. Yeah. I think my favorite. One of his one-liners is when he's like, one of the guys says, you know, hey, can I be of any assistance? And he's like, no, you just be you, <laughs> Sluss. <laughs> and I thought Jeff Kanata would really like that. Uh, yeah. So good, um, so good. I also love that this he's a character, um, I, we're going to talk spoilers at some point, but yeah. I, I will say they set him up as a character who is the way he is because he's been bullied and his response to that is to be the world's biggest asshole which I think is kind of uh, kind of funny in a way. Like I don't know, it's very relevant. Well, that, that, to today. That's the moral of Sonic the Hedgehog the movie. Yeah, hurt, pe- hurt people, hurt people, guys. Yeah, hurt people, hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the moral of the story. So, uh, okay. All that being said, uh, anything else before we get to spoilers? Let's get to spoilers for Sonic the Hedgehog starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. I'm trying to see this coming. No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. I will say, I, I think one of the funniest things about this movie, though, is uh, this movie has relentless product placement. It is amazing. It is like, it, it reminds me of like, it is straight up that Wayne's World skit that was making fun of product yeah. placement, except they just did it as as the movie, little, as plot points of the movie. Different. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. go on. A, let's go on a little tangent here, guys, about the Olive Garden unlimited, <laughs> uh, unlimited pasta pass. But you know what? That's how uh, you do product placement. Like it's it's no, no, genuinely funny. Sure, sure. I was being serious. I really actually want to go on a little thing about it. It's genuinely uh, funny. <laughs> it's 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 a it's a joke that somebody would write, and then I. I assume they worked backwards from the people paying them, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels like a joke that someone would genuinely write and put in the movie. And kudos to yeah. uh, uh, Olive Garden for kind of being down to be a little sure. poked fun at, right? But they, they joke. It, it, they are joking at the Olive Garden, yeah. even though it's it's a sponsored spot by the well, Olive Garden. They joke Garden. about the it, Olive Garden and yeah. then they go, well, you know, actually, I really love it. So, it, you know, they yeah, get it both yeah. ways, but it but it, <laughs> it doesn't feel so yucky because it actually works as a moment twice. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I don't know if I feel the same way. I thought it was kind of it's it's just weird. It's weird. I, that's what I, my reaction but was. The movie to the is Olive very weird. The movie has tons of product placement, but also tons of yes. just references to things that felt a little bit like, oh, you're really like he reads the Flash <laughs> comics and he, you know, <clears throat> it's very specific on a lot of things. But I felt like, oh, you're really tying yourself to a real specific time period. And, uh-huh. you know, I- well, that, that was something that I thought was weird is at times Sonic seems to not understand certain things. Right. And then and then he's making he, references like he's all the time. Yeah. But then he's making references to like the rock and stuff like, you know, it's like but you assume he, that he seems to be he came yeah. here as a little kid and he grew up yeah. in that in that town. He's still young. He, he's like straight up pretty much a teenager. Yeah. And he's right? like, like he's not old. He's a step. I had that thought too, Dave, which is why I'm explaining how I talked myself out of it and (laughs) i had that same thought i was like this is super weird didn't he come from an alien planet but then it's like oh well he came as a little kid he spent his whole life staring through the window while they watched tv you know so you assume that he's just like watching all the stuff that they watched on tv and picking it up i think that's what we're supposed to assume 
I just want to yeah. say I think your time figuring out Sonic the Hedgehog, the character's backstory, was time well spent. Thank you. Instead of doing literally anything else. Yeah. So, no. Listen. I, uh... Listen. He is Sonic. Is us. Sonic is us. <laughs> that our worldviews, our lives are just formed by the pop culture we've uh, we've inhaled throughout our That's lives. True. You know. So, speaking. I, I get speaking it. He's of, understandable. Speaking of things that are a good use of your time, let's thank our next sponsor, Quip. Oh, Jeff. That's perfect. That's a perfect segue, Dave, because Quip is all about time for me. Because it it makes sure Quip is a toothbrush. I should tell, tell you that Quip is my toothbrush. In fact, we have three Quips in my house. We're a, 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 a three Quip family, and uh, that's because so it's not good enough for your fourth child, Jeff. Wow. No. Or your your fourth family member? I no, say? it's my wife who doesn't get one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, no, my daughter is. Uh, it does not have a Quip yet, but she will grow into Quiphood. When she when she reaches <laughs> age two, uh, I, yes, I assume. Yes. Um, yes. But my three-year-old has a quip. My wife has a quip. I have a quip. We all love our quips. In fact, we just went on a vacation to Hawaii last week. All took our quips. And the cool thing is th- the, it comes with a cool little travel container. And I used it. It's awesome. Uh, it comes with a, a way to put your quip on the – stick it to your mirror, which is great. Keeps the counter clean. But none of that is really the coolest part. The coolest part – is that quip make sure I brush for two minutes? I think it's safe to say my entire life before quip, I never brushed for two minutes, except for like the days I had dentist appointments and then I would just, you know, go to town. But I was short shrifting myself because your mind wanders. I don't know how long I've been doing this. It feels fine. I feel like I'm done. Let's just be done. But quip keeps track, it pulses every 30 seconds. It has sonic vibrations that give you a really, uh, you know, dentist approved kind of. Brush, really, really great, gentle, good on even for for sensitive gums. But I now go for two minutes because it pulses every 30 seconds. And after two minutes, it turns itself off. And I have noticed, I'm telling you, I have noticed that I get a better clean in my mouth. I feel fresher. I feel better because I go for two minutes. But I don't even have to think about it. It just happens for me all automatically and I love love it they think of everything you get a subscription that replaces the brush head every three months which is dentist recommended you get new toothpaste at that time you get a new battery in that pack it's so slick I don't have to think about anything it's just great so if you go to getquip.com slash filmcast right now you can get your first refill free that's your first refill free at getquip.com slash filmcast. That's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Quip, the good habits company. So I actually wanted to talk with you guys about the Olive Garden uh, mm-hmm. Lifetime Pasta Pass. Uh, let me just say, this is something I have considered getting. Do you guys know what this is, right? <laughs> yeah. This is a, a $500 pass, right? And if you buy it, you get unlimited pasta for the rest of your life. This is right? a privilege? <laughs> yeah. And, and from, from the Olive Garden? You know what that's called? Okay. Okay. That's called being born a Canada is what that's called. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason this is so appealing to me is basically it's like if no matter how badly my life is going, I will always have unlimited pasta access to the Olive Garden. Do you know what I mean? Like that's that's what the unlimited pasta, the lifetime 
pasta pass would inoculate me. For yeah, that. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if I like lose my job and yeah. uh, like my <laughs> yeah. whole personal life falls apart yeah. and all my friends leave me, at least I have the pasta pass going for me. Until you have to start watching your cholesterol. I used to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I used to. Uh, I used to put a lot of thought into what I would do if. I had nothing because, you know, I moved to L.A. as an actor and I mm. told my parents I'd never ask them for money. And so I used to put a yep. lot of energy yep. into thinking like, OK, what I would do is see I'd, I'd, I'd do the gym membership and then I'd be able to yes. shower and, and you know, like have all the facilities there. And it, that would be pretty cheap and I could live in my car. So I, I, I hear you on this. You know, You've I kinda, done the math. Well, was, was an <laughs> Olive Garden Lifetime Pasta Pass part of that math? Jeff? Well, no. It was not available in those years, you know. Now I've kind of moved past. I have <laughs> children. It's a fairly to, recent thing. Yeah. I have children to <laughs> take care of now, Dave. I don't think I'm going to be pasta passing my children. Listen, listen. For pasta pass. Although, okay, I will tell you, my three year old would be down for pasta pass as long as there's no <laughs> sauce on it whatsoever. So here is oh, the God. problem with the lifetime pasta pass: is you have to get the one hundred dollar pasta pass first. <laughs> And then the first, <laughs> like, at least in 2019, <laughs> basically the first 50 people to complete their purchase of the regular Olive Garden Unlimited Pasta Pass, then get the option of saying, do you want to upgrade to the Lifetime Pasta There's only 50. Pass, that has right? to have already been passed, surpassed now, right? Well, yeah, they do it. They do it like, you know, you know some years they do it, some years they don't. But like, I'm talking about in the example of 2019, right, that you had to be one of the first 50 people. And then first 50 you people nationwide? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, to to get to, I'm out. to get what's called a regular Olive Garden pasta. I'm out. So, I'm, I'm, so essentially, you need to spend a hundred dollars to even have the chance of getting a. I'm out, dude. Pasta. I'm not playing their games. I'm not playing their pasta games. They're, you know what, guys? Maybe maybe Bernie has a point. Maybe we got to burn the soul system <laughs> down because something is wrong with this. What does the hundred dollar pasta pass get you, Dave? Just a year? Yeah, it's it's basically like a, a certain number of time. Right, like you'll get like uh, yeah, uh, r- roughly a year's worth of. Oh, actually, no, no, no. The the standard Olive Garden Never Ending Pasta Pass is basically like nine weeks worth of Never Ending Pasta. I'd like so to like, first of all, I'd like to apologize to Lensable and Quip for not talking about them as much as we're talking about Olive Garden. But go ahead. I mean, I'm, well, Jeff. To be fair, we're not we're not complimenting Olive Garden. Yeah, That's right. This is saying, more like capitalism. We're saying this is actually a, a punitive yeah. system that they have. That's here. true. <laughs> and if they if they had uh, a five hundred dollar pasta pass that you could just buy outright, then I would be five hundred dollars poorer and probably many pounds of Olive Garden richer <laughs> in my stomach. Dave, if if you had the mythical you know golden ring pasta pass, would you tip? Oh, you have uh, to yeah, tip. Sure. You got to tip. For, you, you, you have, have to, to tip. You have I've, to do. I've seen reports of people who have the passes who don't tip. Like they go to Olive Garden every night. They'll have like a big dinner and just like walk out because like you know pasta it's, pass. It's all covered. You know what? Yeah. You know what that gets you the next time you pasta pass. That gets you some spit in your food. <laughs> is what that gets you. Uh, uh, I'm sure more than spit, but yes. Yeah. 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 So in any case. Uh, not a fan of the current system of acquiring lifetime pasta. I- I'm willing to pay even more money <laughs> if they don't have this system where you like you need to buy this other worthless pass oh, that's could, only like nine yeah. weeks. Could or a pasta? You know I'm saying? Could a pasta pass, a lifetime pasta pass recipient, auction off their pasta pass? I don't think it works that way because I'm pretty sure your name is printed on it. Mm. So I don't think you're it works saying that way. you want universal pasta pass access. <laughs> that's right. Single. Pa- pair pasta pasta pass, pass? <laughs> yeah yeah okay 
So uh, to change the topic, you know, one of the reasons why I think Jeff, like, uh, we didn't predict that Sonic the Hedgehog would do very well is because the Sonic games have been, uh, I'll just say at best, very inconsistent over the years. Yeah, very inconsistent. The but there's been decades. a couple of that have been good yeah. lately. Oh, for sure, for sure. But like, if you think about like Mario, like you right. you put you put all the Sonic games up against all the Mario games, all the Mario games would completely annihilate all the Sonic games. Yeah, like just in terms of quality, right? Quality. I, I like game. how we're having the same arguments I had uh, when I was eight years old <laughs> in uh, in elementary school. But I'm just saying, like, that's what it's that's You're what right. makes it so unpredictable is because like there have been so many terrible Sonic games, and actually, I don't think that's why I thought the movie was going to be bad. <laughs> I don't think well, it was like well the Sonic games have been un- inconsistent. So that if only the games well, uh, weren't sure, were consistent. Sure, but like but like lower performing, you know what I mean? Like or 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 a better performing film, right? Like yeah. I don't like the, I, it just I, seemed I on the face of it a terrible idea to make a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I think in addition to that, you think like people generally need to enjoy the games before they see the film. Yeah. You know, yeah. like like if they don't enjoy if the games suck, then they're like they're not going to see the movie. Right. There, there are you, things you may not have like directly touched, Dave. Like a uh, Sonic was it Sonic Kart? Like they they have a you know kart racing game. Like there's a lot of Sonic stuff for kids that kids are really into. But it doesn't least, also you know, it doesn't a lot feel like it's in the zeitgeist too. anymore. You know, it doesn't yeah, feel like yeah. Sonic is a is a no. I mean, he has a nostalgia factor, and he's people know who Sonic is, but it doesn't feel like it's it's one of those characters that's still relevant even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. So that is also part of what makes yeah. the uh, the victory a little bit baffling for this against movie. all but, odds. Yeah. yeah, against all odds. Do you guys uh, do you guys know the YouTuber Kroby Cat? No. C R O W B C A T. Uh, he or she uh, like is their identity is very unknown. Uh, makes these extremely awkward uh, supercuts of video game related things like. It'll be like E3 2019 Supercut, and they'll just like cut together the most awkward moments from E3, essentially. <laughs> okay. And they did a video on Sonic's 25th anniversary. Like, there was a 25th anniversary celebration of Sonic that was it, was... it looked like one of the saddest celebrations I've ever seen. And, of course, this compilation uh, was a brutal cut down of it. And I'll say, this video by Kroby Cat single-handedly convinced me that this movie would do badly. Like, it, it, th- this video is so painful to watch. We'll link to it in the show notes. But basically, it cuts together. It's like essentially like all these Sonic fans gathering together to celebrate Sonic. But like, the production values of the video were uh, of the celebration itself were like really, really rough. Um, and, uh, I'm just glad, you know, this thing is bouncing back. This, this property is bouncing back. I remember reading the fact that Jim Carrey signed on to do it and I was like, what? How did they get Jim Carrey for this? How? I do wonder if it was the script. If he was like, oh, I know exactly what I'm going to do here and the kids are going to eat it I mean, I I feel like his performance, I I mean, I love that he's in this movie and I love that this movie's decent and really fun to watch, but I also feel like. The idea of Jim Carrey playing the smartest guy in the universe, I just feel like it, it, it is a little wasted here. I, you know, make him Lex Luthor or make him like, you know, that it, I would love that take to be in something a little more. But, you know, great. It's great. It's in Sonic. I just felt like, yeah, I, I guess this is a little bit his Riddler. Uh, but yeah, but the, the idea that just the pure concept of Jim Carrey playing the smartest human being in the world who knows it and hates everyone else for being so dumb around him is so fun to watch. 
And I just feel yeah. like there's so many, you know, characters that think they're the smartest person in the world. Dr. Robotnik would not be in my top 10, you know? It's a perfect fit of art and artist, yeah. right? That, that, that's the way to say it. Um, there are a lot of references in this movie, too. Like, I feel like there's a great, um, the whole bar sequence, that is straight up peewee totally. uh, energy. Totally. Yeah. It's so great. And I, I love those things, too. Like, kids probably won't understand it, but it's like, oh, I remember loving all the peewee movies. And it, it, this is sort of that. Like, it is something adults can enjoy, but it's also like a fun ride for kids, too. Like, it is purely capturing that peewee energy. And I love it all the more for it. I also, you know, Jeff, you were talking about like how they integrate things from the the game into the movie, and I actually appreciated those two. Like they're very subtle. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, the the way they use rings is interesting. Like giving rings a significance, right? Yeah. That like the, the, I mean, I think the movie overall is very dark. Okay, so but they're giving Sonic <laughs> these rings because it's like, hey, these are the things you need to travel from world to world because you can never have a home because you're too powerful. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, that, that's, that makes sense. Uh, isn't the first level of the first game of Sonic, like Green Hill Zone or whatever, right? That's, yep. that's a reference to yeah, the absolutely. place in Montana where they are. Yeah. You know, and it's you like, sure okay. cut that Dave. That's a, that's, that's a <laughs> yeah, great deep one. cut there. Dave. Love it. <laughs> uh, that's not really a deep cut. I think you guys are making fun of me, but that's okay. That's okay. I'm just saying. I appreciate the references. There are a lot um, of little things. Like he falls at one point in this movie, and the rings all go flying out. Yeah, like well, that's, that's a fun yeah, little touch. Fun. And they make it's it. Fun. And they make and, they make they justify calling Robotnik Eggman, which is kind of uh-huh. kind of cool. Uh, I think there's stuff in his apartment at the end that is references. Like there's like congas, which yeah. I think is the Dreamcast. Maybe I'm looking into that too much, but. Um, I don't know. You're just drawing all these connections, Jeff. I know. It's amazing. I'm probably wrong. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's really well done. It's really fun. And and um, I mean, we, the very end where Carrie goes full on, you know, giant mustache anime Dr. Robotnik is. You mean the, in the credits, uh, the mid credits? Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. real fun. I mean, I thought that was. That's... Are you guys excited about the Tales Sequel, because uh, I, I want to see more of this. I yeah, I think I'm, it could be actually, great. Keep the writers, keep the writers, keep the director, keep this whole talented crew, and yeah, they they could do something really interesting. I also here. really liked in the end when they're uh, painting the apartment. There's the uh, the Sonic song is done as part of the score, uh, very mm-hmm. subtly, and I thought that was kind of cool too. I will say that. The thing that bothered me the most about this film, the most unrealistic aspect of this movie, was pointed out by uh, Dr. Laura Humphreys on Twitter, who wrote, uh, quote, been thinking a lot about Sonic the movie since I saw it. I have been (laughs) intensely bothered by one thing, and I cannot get it out of my head. Dr. Robotnik has five PhDs. (laughs) A PhD is basically an academic training program. It teaches you the research skills to progress up the academic ladder. You don't need more than one PhD, (laughs) and it's not a sign of genius, evil or otherwise. I've seen a couple people get two PhDs, usually like a big change of direction or a later in life goal. I can't understand that. But five? Why hasn't he progressed? Why isn't he going for postdocs? Why isn't he co-I or PI in his own grant yet? This may be a damning indictment on the state of the job market in Robotnik's field. <laughs> Perhaps he had no other choice, and he's been badly let down by the supervillain academic industrial complex. Yeah. But five is mad, and I don't think any responsible university would allow it, end quote. That's right. Uh, it, it is interesting that people just assume that the more PhDs you have, the smarter you are, when in fact... It's often quite the opposite. It shows you're indecisive or made some terrible decisions. Uh, people in this thread pointed out that Bruce Banner 
has seven PhDs, according to <laughs> Marvel. But um, guys, you don't need more PhDs to be smarter. It's just we got to we got to put a stop to that. The more it's, you it's, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I found anyway, the, the only there is a moment in this movie where I'm like having all kinds of fun and we're we're doing all kinds of fun things, and then like the military starts shooting real bullets at our fun characters, <laughs> and I go, okay, yeah. we're in that movie. I mean. I, I mean, the body count in this movie is massive. Like, at the end where Robotnik is shooting the bombs and, like, blowing people, like, you know, everyone's stuck in slow motion. He is just offing civilians left and right in that scene. Yeah. Uh, and that, that kind of bothered me. Kind of bothered mm-hmm. me. One of the highest body counts of any video game movie, if not the highest. And if you think about what they think <laughs> happened to Dr. Robotnik, it is a fate worse than death. It is cruel to the extreme what they think they did to him you know yeah. also the the yeah well, that alternative say, say planet by the way is uh so he gets sent to a world entirely filled with mushrooms which just feels like a fun little mario dig there because sonic spends a lot of the movie being like why would i want to go to a place with stinky mushrooms and that's all it is <laughs> but so, they, they think they are banishing him yes. to a, a hellscape where there's no food no water, no shelter. It, it, it is. You can eat the mushrooms. I mean, I guess yeah. we don't know if those mushrooms are edible. We don't know. We don't know anything. You don't know anything about that place. They. That is a dark fate for that person. If you think I'm going to take a human being, no matter how terrible, and throw them into that, that's that's a pretty. It's pretty dark. I agree. Kids movies right. can be really, really dark. I, I think of like a lot of kids movies, right, where there is a big bad guy to be killed, especially like Disney movies. Like, yeah, they'll get killed. They'll fall off a cliff or something like you. Abo- you wipe your hands of responsibility for what happens to those characters. But at least this one is not a gruesome death. It is a slow, gradual <laughs> death with no humans nearby. You know? Yeah. It's out of sight, out of mind and for on, them. But yeah. <laughs> and on no, that nobody note. hears you die. <laughs> Does it really matter? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Speaking of which, the last reference, you know, I like that the end, like how he defeated Robotnik is similar uh-huh. to how Sonic, the video game character, would defeat Robotnik. Yeah. Right? Like, he's like bouncing off like a pinball. Oh, it's definitely kind of a boss yeah. fight at the end. It's great. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah it's yeah, so yeah, good. Yeah. And by the way, shout out to the end credit sequence, which I think is so, such a well done rendering of very different types of Sonic games. Like, I've played, I played a lot of Sonic when I was a kid. Okay. I had, um, I think that I was really amazed by like the whole Sonic and Knuckles thing where you could stack Sonic carts on top of Sonic and Knuckles and like put in tails from Sonic 2 into Sonic and Knuckles. It, it was a whole crazy thing. But there were there were all these different like special worlds like the the thing with the balls. It looks kind of like 3D and you're just running around a grid. That that imagery haunted my nightmares <laughs> and to see it projected on a giant Dolby screen. You know, with my younger brother, who I was used to play it with, uh, that was kind of a great moment. I loved it. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we can wrap it up there. Uh, but I, we all enjoyed the Sonic movie. So we hope you did as well. And uh, that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode. You can find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmCast.com. Email us at SlashFilmCast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from AdamWarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. This episode was edited by Baby Zhang. Uh, in, until next week, Jeff Kanata, where can we find more of your work on the internet? Well, you can always follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. I do a video game podcast. If you can hear me talk about Sonic, we actually talked about Sonic this week on the show and a lot of other video games. You can find that at 
uh, on my show DLC. You can find that uh, at 5x5.tv slash DLC. I also do a Dungeons & Dragons live play show where I'm the Dungeon Master making up a story, an uh, epic story of uh, five adventurers. You can find that. It's called Dungeon Run. You can find that wherever you get podcasts as an audio show uh, by searching for the Dungeon Run. You can also watch it on YouTube. It is television quality. I, I stand by that. Um, you can find it on YouTube by searching for the Dungeon Run. Or you can watch us live every Wednesday night as we record it at caffeine.tv slash the Dungeon Run. How about you, Devendra? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Devendra. I write about tech at Engadget.com. And also check out the Engadget podcast, which I'm co-hosting now. I'm on Letterboxd. Letterboxd.com slash Dave Chen is where you can find my stuff. And next week, we got a lot of stuff we're going to be talking about. We got uh, The Lodge, Downhill. Uh, we've seen uh, some Mythic Quests, some uh, Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts, a lot of stuff. So uh, that's what we got in store for you on next week's episode of the Slash Filmcast. Stay tuned for some After Dark. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later. We watch the movies, flicks, tracks for the good, bad, it's the Slash Filmcast. For all the news and the movies coming out, because you know that it's the thing worth talking about. Welcome to the Slash Filmcast After Dark, the time of the show where we talk about a variety of random topics we didn't get to during the podcast itself. That you probably don't listen to. That you probably don't listen to, because who would? Who would? Yeah. Um, so this week we have a few things. We're gonna, well, we'll we'll see. We don't have that much time because we went we went a little bit long on Sonic. <laughs> who knows how? Uh, who knew we had so much to say about it? But uh, one thing we want to talk about is airplane etiquette. Yeah. Now, now, Jeff, you went to Hawaii this week with your family, yeah. right? I sure did. And with my family. With uh, two kids. With you're a mad a man. Three year old and a one year old. Because I because wow. I, I hate myself. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, but there was a recliner controversy. This is what I wanted to talk about. I didn't Oh yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Get get to it. <laughs> no, Set I it didn't know then. there was a controversy, but this is what I wanted to talk about. The recliner thing. This is exactly yeah, what I wanted recliner. to talk about. I don't know about any controversy. I just was I, I just think about it all the time because before we get to any controversy, and you can fill me in on what that is, I just wanted to take the temperature of the room here and say, well, how do you guys feel? I, people have very strong feelings about the reclining function in coach of the chair. Do you use oh, so it? You, you didn't hear about this controversy. I did not hear about the controversy. Yeah. So this woman on um, Twitter uh, said – uh basically she she tweeted out a video of uh this guy behind her uh that basically kept like she reclined her seat and this guy behind her was so pissed off at it that he kept hitting his head on didn't, the didn't back she of her recline seat. it all the way but there's she no reclined it all the way yeah i don't think there's a half you never measure. go full recline right i don't think there's yeah. any half measure the recline is so slight i don't think you whatever it, no, there, there's a big difference, Jeff, there, between a, a little bit and all the way. Yeah, but this guy kept like hitting her seat, basically, and then she filmed it and put it on Twitter, and uh, it it went viral, uh, basically, because and people had a lot of feelings, right? A lot of people said, "Hey, you should not have like you should not recline I, like that." Some people, some people said, "You should not recline." Yeah, and I then, never heard that. Yeah. Uh, my my opinion is that uh, like this guy, you know, was certainly being an asshole and. 
Uh, I would actually argue that he was being a, a bit of a misogynist by like. Yeah. I don't. I don't think he would have done that if he was a large dude, for instance, right? So like, the fact that he did it to her um, indicates to me that like there is a lack of respect going on there. You are physically uh, hitting a person when you're hitting their. Well, chair. But, like that's that's what's happening. Regardless yeah. of this situation, I want to know, Davinci. You just traveled as well, right? You went to Georgia. Yes. And. Yeah, I want to know when you guys travel. All of us travel fairly frequently in our lives. When yeah. you get on a plane and you travel, do you? I have friends who feel that you are to never recline. That is just the rudest thing you can do is to recline. I've yeah. never heard. Really? Of this. Oh, I have. I know people like people friends. people who say that. Yeah, are very yeah. strong about that opinion. But I've never heard this. But I will say, I don't. I don't typically recline because I'm kind of an anxious person. I just don't want to impede anybody else's experience. And also, I feel like I'm I'm an okay average height where it's not a big deal for me. If I were six feet tall, like maybe that would be a different story. On my flight to or flight back from Hawaii. Well, just FYI, before you get to that, Jeff, just want to indicate that this thing went so viral that the CEO of Delta Airlines weighed in on CNBC about it. Uh, and he said, quote, I think customers have the right to recline, but I think the proper thing to do if you're going to recline uh, into somebody is that you ask if it's okay first, end quote. Yeah, I was just about now, to I say agree- that that's exactly what happened on my return flight home from, from Hawaii. I was yeah. sitting, uh, there was a Samoan dude ahead of me, very large dude. He turned around and he went, is it okay if I recline? And I said, absolutely. Very oh, nice. nice. I've nice. never, I've, yes. that's never happened to me. What? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Dave. Yeah. Well, yeah, that I mean, just uh, I have also heard the same thing, Jeff. Like on, and, and by heard, what we're what we're saying when we say heard is what our friends or what we hear people online say, which is essentially that if you recline, you're a monster. Right? I have that, heard that that's essentially so many what I've times from people yes. that I really respect yep. that travel a lot, and they say if you recline, you're a monster. To which I reply. Why is that function then built in? Yeah. Why is the function yeah. available yeah. if you cannot use it? That, that is, I'm glad you and agree also, with me because I've said this for a long time. I feel like <laughs> my expectation is that they will recline and I, I should recline as well. Like as soon as we get to 10,000 feet, I'm reclining, bro, because that's what was built into the airplane. That's for my comfort. That's why they put that there. Right. It's like saying, don't put your tray table down to eat. I'm like, well, it's, it's there, to, you know, it's for me to eat. It's like, oh, no, yeah. I feel the pressure yeah. on the back of my seat. No, it, if they didn't want me to use it, they wouldn't put it in the plane. I, I, yeah, yeah. That, that is the logical deconstruction of that argument. It's like, it's there. Anybody can use it. I do think if the Delta CEO feels so strongly about asking, uh, maybe that should be in that cute little in-flight video. You know, at the beginning, like just, uh, just uh, yeah, get some manners out there. The only time I recline even a little bit is when I'm doing my freaking 16-hour flight to Taiwan for Computex. Like at that point, like we're all sleeping here. No one, no one's up like playing stuff on their TVs. Like everybody's just trying to sleep overnight. So at that point, yeah, it's fair game. I'm, but I'm really, normal U.S. flights, not so. I'm much. really surprised and a little disappointed that none of you guys are the opposite opinion because I wanted to debate this because <laughs> I, I, I have heard, I, I felt I've actually turned a corner and feel like I shouldn't recline because I've heard from so many people that it is like just off the just on the face of it rude and everybody believes that and i've never i it was a shock to me that that anybody would think that because i just assume i just assume the person in front of me is going to recline like even the little television screen on the back of the the thing has a a, a rotation so that when they dec- recline yep. you can get the right angle like they 
It's all built yep. in for that function to work. Uh, uh, yeah. The the problem is these uh, the airplane companies are also like squeezing the seats in tighter and tighter. So when it maybe used to be better to recline a little more, you'd still have some leg room. Now it's uh, it's almost impossible. I also feel like uh, I walk down the aisle of my latest flight carrying a uh, a folded up stroller, a car seat, two book bags, like all like just me. It's like I couldn't even I couldn't even like fit the car seat through the space in the aisle. I had to like hold it up above my head. It was a disastrous like sort of thing. So I, I blame the airplane companies for making our lives hell and for forcing us to live in this crazy class structure, you know, <laughs> airplane <laughs> environment. How it's was insane. how was traveling with your little one? It was okay. So I flew Delta and I flew to Atlanta on like off peak time. So that it was, there was a lot of like empty room around us. Oh, lucky. And we were also able to like, I, I basically begged, um, you know, the person at the, a the gate agent to use the car seat on the empty seat in our row. Mm. So that was great going there because then we could put Sophia in and she was chill. We had never done this before. So typically uh, Raquel, my wife, just holds Sophia and we trade her off like when we're flying. Yeah. She is still, she's 16 months. So it's a whole discussion of like when you put kids in a car seat. I know it's safer. And at this point, she's big enough where it's like, yeah, I guess we're just gonna have to do that. On a return flight, the guy, there were there were rows guys ahead of me and behind me that were completely empty. And I asked the agent, I was like, can I, can I just bring the car seat here? And he was like, no, you didn't pay for a seat. Like, dude. Dude, I'm gonna yeah, yeah. That that's a whole that's a topic for another time. But uh yeah, I was annoyed we couldn't use the seat the second time, and that was a much rougher trip. How it's, how many uh, hours it's was tough that being flight? a parent? How long was plane. it? It's uh, it was only ninety minutes oh. basically, so it's not that bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nothing compared to what I was you doing did. five hours, baby. Two kids. Yeah, <laughs> it was brutal. But I I I think the uh, the moral of the story here is uh, be kind to people. You know, be considerate Just, to people. Yeah. If if you're going to recline, ask. And if somebody reclines without asking, uh, don't be an asshole lest you be made, uh, you know, the villain in an international viral post. <laughs> it's like that old about, saying. About the subject. Be kind, recline. <laughs> right? Mm. right? No, that's not. No. That's, that's actually the opposite of what I'm trying to Jack say. Jack Black movie? Wasn't that be kind, re recline? Okay, so uh, this episode's over. <laughs> I'll say one. I'll say one last thing before we we head out, which is um, I went a little bit viral today on Reddit. I don't know if you guys saw this. You are banging your head on uh, someone's seats. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the guy from the video. Um, no, so uh, I made a new letterbox list. So you know, last time we talked a little bit about uh, how I love Letterboxd, and you can find me at letterbox.com/slash/davechen, and uh, I like making some lists. And uh, this week, I made a list uh, with the help of Chris Kanigi, who is a longtime listener, uh, who gave me uh, this this idea to make this list uh, entitled Movies Based on Franchises that Had a Popular TV Show on Air During the 1960s, in which Henry Cavill plays a major character who gets in an intense fight in a public restaurant. Oh, I love this what? list. It's a good list. Do you guys know what movies are on said list? Well, it's got to be Mission Impossible. Uh Mission yeah. Impossible Fallout, that's one. And I'm guessing, um, what's the... Man from Mind Uncle. From Uncle yeah. Man from Uncle, that's number two. Yeah. What's number Is there two? more than two? Mm. There's more than two entries. There's I mean, a whole Immortal show that was a thing, right? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, Batman v Superman. Batman v Superman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's they do dumb. fight, I don't know if you remember this, but Batman <laughs> smashes Superman's head into a sink in... Uh, 
Mm. And into a bathroom yeah. sink. And they went it's full a bit raid of a stretch movie. to yeah. say that Batman v Superman was a television show in the '60s. But okay, uh, I, I, that had, that had uh, on, based on franchises that had a popular TV mm. show on air. Okay, during the okay. 1960s. All right. So I reject your uh, criticism that it's a bit of a stretch. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, still enjoying the list, and uh, this got somebody screen capped this and posted it. On a subreddit called Movie Circle Jerk. <laughs> Movie Circle Jerk. Wow, that's Jay. our um, next podcast you, name. You finally Man. made it. Finally made it. Where yeah. it received, it went on to receive twenty two hundred points, and uh, yeah. you know, upvotes and such. So, uh, uh, what happens when you win the Movie Circle yeah. Jerk? You don't want to know. Don't know. You have to eat the cracker. You don't want to know. Oh God! I posted. Uh, I, I posted in the comments. I said, as the co-creator of this list, I wanted to say thank you for recognizing this important series. I hope the next time you watch Batman smashing Superman's head into a sink, the thought of this list brings a smile to your face. And uh, a couple people, 1080 TJ says, mention this sub on the next Slash Filmcast, or we riot. No, and we uh, Pancake Muncher then said, after dark episode based on this post, please. So uh, I don't know that this is an After Dark episode based on this post, but wow. I have now mentioned it. So. You were just bullied into mentioning this topic. Yeah. Great. <laughs> That's it's right. like the Sonic redesign. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you basically got your face smashed into a, a sink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. And I think we can wrap it up there. End episode. <laughs> okay. Stopping recording. Stopping recording. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. <laughs>